0: The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, Grove Church. How are you guys feeling today? Yeah, happy Labor Day weekend to all of you. If you have a Bible with me today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 18, second book of the scriptures. You can turn there or open up your phone and do the Bible app, Exodus 18, and we'll pick it up in verse 13 here in just a few minutes. I want to make a huge announcement, and that is that next Sunday, we are partying as the Grove Church Snohomish. One year ago, we launched here in Snohomish. So we're saying happy birthday to Grove Church in the So I'm super excited about this. We're going to have one big, huge party, and uh, we're going to celebrate. You're going to see balloons. You're going to see food. And more importantly, you're going to hear some cool stories of what God has done through our campus uh, in this past year. I can't believe it. It's been uh, one year since we launched here, a little longer than that since we adopted Venture Church as a part of the family of Grove. So we're going to celebrate all that God's done. So next Sunday... One service, 10 a.m., everybody's partying, your kids are partying, we're partying, and it's going to be a fun day. So I would encourage you to invite someone uh, to that awesome day next Sunday. Well, if you have a Bible, like I said, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 18. And I want to kind of recap just a little bit last week. We started a new series last week called Stop going to church. And if you missed last week, that's okay. You can always podcast or watch the vodcast throughout the week. But this is a series primarily talking about what does it really mean to be the church? Not just to come and see and watch, but what does it really mean to be Christ Church? And we we talked last week and we established um, what it actually means to be the church. And the way that we started this conversation was you personally answering what we called the question of all questions. It's a question that every person here in the room needs to answer for themselves. And one of the things I said last week is that Although we might be married in the room, it's a question you, as an individual, has to answer. Although we might be dating someone in the room, it's a question that you personally have to answer. Maybe we grew up in a Christ-centered home or grew up in a, in a home that wasn't that way. This is a question that can't be your spouse's faith, and the answer that they give to it, it can't be what your parents would say, it can't be what your grandparents would say, it can't be what you know an uncle would say, it can't be what you grew up hearing. This is a question that you have to answer personally for yourself in the question question is, is who do you say Jesus Christ is? Who is Jesus to you? It was a question that Jesus asked his disciples when he he was with them doing ministry. He wanted to know what are people saying about me and what are the crowds saying about me? And it was Peter, although at times doesn't always get it right. In this one moment, he did get it right. And he said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is a question that each one of us in the room have to answer. It's a question more important than who you'll marry. It's a question more important than where you'll work. It's a question more important than how much money you make or what your life will take you. It's a question that each person has to answer in the room. Who do you say Jesus Christ is to you personally? The other thing we established last week is that the church, the body of Christ, Jesus's bride is, it's a movement, not a day. It's, it's a movement, it's a body of believers gathering together to worship the name of Jesus. And awesome that we're here on a Sunday doing that, Doing that, but a church can meet anywhere, at any time, in any place. Why? Because where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in their midst. Amen. All right, we got one. Thank you, Tony. Um, and so we got, it's a movement, not a day. The, the church is a living body meant to transform the communities in which it exists. That if the church is being what it's originally called to do, then it's primarily always going to be outward focused. It's going to be outward looking to reach people who don't know Jesus because that's what Jesus came to do. He said, "I came to seek and save that which was lost." Luke 15 has all these cool parables about the lost coin or the lost sheep, and it's this reminder that Jesus would leave the 99 and go after the one. The church is also, probably one of my favorite ways to describe God's people is it's a family. Although we are a part of a blood family or immediate family or extended family of siblings and aunts and uncles and grandparents and grandkids and all of those kind of things. But the body of Christ actually in scriptures teaches that it's a family that cares for one another. It means that you could look around in the room right now and go, I don't really know that person right now next to me. I just met them during the meet and greet. But that's actually your brother and sister in Christ. That's actually a person that's a part of the family of God when they've accepted Jesus. And so the body of Christ is meant to to care and establish love and support and compassion and mercy. And when the church is alive, these things should be happening in the body of Christ. Practically speaking, it means that when someone has a baby, we celebrate that they had a baby. When someone gets married, we celebrate they, had, they got married. And when someone's going through difficulty, obviously we're there to weep and support with those in need. It's life on life, caring for one another. That is really what the church is. It's, it's a body of believers that are alive, pursuing Jesus, We said this last week that we need to stop going to church and start being the church. That there's a real big difference between going and being. In fact, we can go to church all of our lives and never actually be the church. Which is a really, really crazy thought. I can come to a Sunday or a Thursday or a Wednesday or a Friday my entire life and never actually practice being the body of Christ, and that's why we came up with the phrase, stop going to church. Well, today, we're going to talk part two here about our bigger reality. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a part of the Grove Church, our bigger reality, and then we're going to get real small towards the end of this message and talk about our current reality, where we're at today and where we're going. Let's look to Exodus 18, though, and uh, let's establish what's happening here in uh, in Exodus 18. So what's happening in Exodus 18 is Moses, the people of Israel's leader, has just brought them out of Egypt, out of under Pharaoh's rule, and and you know the whole "Let my people go" and you know the plagues and the Red Sea and all that kind of stuff. So these cool things have happened. God has established His people and He's set them free under Pharaoh's uh, authority and rule, and and now they're in the desert. They're on their way to experience the Promised Land and. Moses has some family coming into town. Now, how many know that when family come into town, they always got something to say? Can I hear an amen, all right? So family's coming in town, and family's got something to say, and Jethro has something to say to, to Moses in the beginning passage of uh, Exodus 18, we're not going to read all of it, we're going to start at 13. He's just encouraging Moses, he's telling him, Man, how awesome it is that God's been moving in the people and how awesome God is, and all this encouragement. And then we pick it up in Exodus uh, chapter 13, where uh, Jethro experiences a problem happening with Moses' leadership. So on the screen, on your phone, or you're a real Christian if you actually brought a physical Bible. Okay, here we go. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to acquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me. And I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you Will certainly wear yourselves out. For this thing or for the thing is too heavy for you. You were not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you should warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, Look for able men from all people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, you will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Let's pray for God's word today. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you so much that you can speak through Jethro and through your scriptures way back then, and yet today you can speak to us once again, even now. And I thank you, Jesus, that we're learning today what does it really mean to be your church? What does it mean to be, God, your bride, your family? And I thank you, God, that we get to learn some things today about what it really means to walk this out today. And so we pray your spirit and your presence that's already here would just continue to move in our hearts. And all God's people said, Amen. So I'm just going to kind of lay out some points here from the story. I'm not going to go verse by verse like I sometimes do, but. Here's kind of basically probably about five different things that we can pull from this story. No, the, the first one is, is that Moses is the man. Okay, everyone say he's the man. All right, man, you guys gotta wake up. You've been sleeping in too much. Say so he's the man. Okay, he's the man, right? Like Moses is the man right now, okay? Everybody's coming to him. They're all getting advice from him. He's the one show act. Everyone's talking to him. They come to him when there's a small problem, a big problem, a large problem, whatever's going on, when there's good things to report, not good things to report, it's Moses. It's all about Moses. He's the man of everybody. He's the person in charge. And everyone is coming to him every single day. He's sitting in a chair. I don't know a stool and a throne every single day people are coming to him for hours and hours all day and all night And he's sitting and listening to everything going on and trying to decide matter after matter What's going to be done with the people? We're not just talking like, you know a few hundred people we're talking thousands of people the people of Israel were back then and so Moses is the man and I don't know, the scripture doesn't say this, but I don't know if he thinks he's the man. You know what I mean? Like, we read and go, wow, he is the man, but it's, was he like, this is awesome. All day, every day, I get to decide everything. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if he's doing that, but think about it. Like, everyone's just coming to him. And Jethro, his father-in-law, how many of you know, man, your father-in-law sometimes has some really good advice. Can I hear him in? OK? All right, nobody. Um, but Jethro comes and, and he's celebrating what God has done. He's celebrating that God brought them out of Egypt. He's like, "Man, Moses, this is amazing. I just look at all the things God did bringing you out of Egypt." And then all of a sudden he's like, Whoa. What, what What's going on here?" And, and his, his first advice here is... What in the world are you doing? Like I just love it. What are you doing? Like did you, when did you decide that this was a good idea for you to sit all day, every day, all night, morning till night and decide everything all on your own? Like wh- where did you learn that, Moses? When did you think this was like a one man show and you play all the instruments? You know those guys that play the drums and the keys and the guitar and the harmonica? Like, when did you think that was a good idea? What are you doing? He he says to him, you are literally, you're going to destroy yourself. You you are going to wear yourself out. I mean, you could just imagine if you're a person that's a a boss that oversees people or you're a manager of, you know, in your workplace and people come to you and you work, you know, a typical eight-hour shift I mean, you can just think like how exhausted you are when you maybe oversee only 12 people or 20 or whatever the crew maybe you oversee. Think about doing that all day, every day, forever. It's, it's just not smart. He's saying, you're not going to last. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going you're to get fried. You're going to burn out. You're going to die. Why? Because this job was not meant for you to do alone. I mean, it's just great advice. Don't just apply to the church and apply to where we're at currently. It's just great advice in general. You were just not meant to do things alone. That you need others to help and come around and, and support. So his, his first advice is just like, well, what are you doing? This isn't going to work. You're just, you're just going gonna to fry. His next piece of advice here when we read this is, Moses, what what you're supposed to do for for the people, What what, what your first obligation to the people here that God has called is to pastor them. I, I want you to pastor them spiritually, he says to him. I want you to teach them my laws and my ways. I want you to teach them the scriptures. I want you to teach them how to walk out their faith. And right here... In the book of Exodus, we get a small, small glimpse of what it really means to be a pastor. Just a small, small glimpse. In fact, in scriptures, another name for a pastor is a shepherd, right? It's just a small little glimpse here that a shepherd cares for his sheep. A a shepherd guides and leads and and instructs the flock. and And a shepherd is the one who goes after the sheep. We go fast forward to the book of Luke, and, or the book of John, and we know that Jesus said that I am the good, yeah, right, so we all know from last week that he is the ultimate shepherd, he's the rock upon which we stand, right, so he's the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep, he did that on the cross, but then he called other shepherds, other pastors, other leaders to instruct and care for the body of Christ. And what we see here is Jethro's establishing, here's the thing, Moses, you could sit here all day long and listen to all the good and all the bad and all the ugly, and, and, but you won't last. And primarily, you were never called to do that. In fact, your first primary responsibility for God's people was to show them Yahweh God, to teach them the law, to teach them to be holy as he is holy, to teach them to follow the scriptures. And yet you're sitting here all day, every day, with all of this weight and responsibility that you're neglecting what you were first meant to do. He goes through a few more pieces of Of advice here, he says, find capable men who fear God, are trustworthy, and hate a bribe, and place them in leadership over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Empower people to lead. I call it delegate and celebrate. Find people, find men, raise up people who will love my people and let them lead. Now, this will get real fun. It's interesting that in Exodus, it only says men. Find men. Why men in Exodus? Well, in in this culture, in, in, in this time, okay, men were the leaders and the responsibility and the patriarchs of their home. In fact, it was men that carried the brute force of what it meant to lead and serve their family. It's interesting because when we look at the scripture and we go, wow, it says men, it automatically makes us think, at least it makes me think, do we believe women should have a voice in leadership in the church? Do we believe that God can use women to lead and equip and train and empower? Well, you should know today that there's some traditions that don't believe women should have any voice in the church still today. They don't believe women should be pastors. They don't believe women should be leaders. They don't believe women should have a platform on a stage or speak in authority over groups, especially over groups of men. What you must understand when you read Scripture is that we don't read Scripture in isolation. We don't read a passage of Scripture and go, okay, it says that, so that must mean what it is. What we do is we read Scripture in its entirety. And if we fast forward and look to the Scriptures in its entirety, I believe It was in the Gospels, it was women who stood at the cross when Jesus died. I believe it was women who came to the tomb and found the resurrection body. I believe it was women when the Apostle Paul in Acts 16 stopped teaching in synagogues, went to Lydia's house, who was a woman, her home was saved, and the church started being established in homes that were led by women. So we can conclude that God calls both men and women to care and instruct and empower and be used by him. And if we're honest as men, if women were not in our lives, we would be in a world of hurt. Can I hear an amen, gentlemen? Why? Because at creation, God designed women to be our helper, our companion, our support. And I don't know about you, but my wife is much more than my helper and my supporter, man. She's sometimes the convictor. Like sometimes she's setting me straight on things. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes she put me in my place, right? I mean, my personality, just who I am, I'm just all gas, no break. I am all the time. But guess, you know, my lovely, sweet, awesome Amanda, man, she is break for the right reasons. Like, people who are all gas need some break in their life. Can I hear an amen? And so we must understand and we must have a full picture of what God called his church to be. It's, It's interesting because you can go into a room as a dude planning stuff and trying to strategize stuff, but you put one gal in the room when you're trying to plan something, and all the guys are like, yeah, man, I never, never thought about that, you know? Oh, so we need plates for the food? Shoot. You know what I mean? It's like we just don't think about these things. But it's just so much bigger than that, right? It's not, it's not just that they're good with food. It's that women are called by God to lead and care for his church. And we must, we must lift them up. That's not being progressive. That's not being Seattleite. That's teaching what the scripture said. And if you want theology on women, just read Luke and Acts over and over and over again, and you will see how Christ elevates women in scripture. So we're gonna find men and women who fear God, are trustworthy, and hate a bribe, and we'll place them in leadership over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. I mean, Jethro is the man when it comes to this text. The last part he says is, and God will direct you and you will endure and the people will be in peace. If you choose option one, Moses, and you try to stay being the man, sitting on your throne, deciding everything, this will not last. You will not last. But if you recognize and understand that there's a real strong leadership principle here, that you can't do it anymore on your own. You need to raise some people up. You need to empower. You need to believe. You need to hand things off. And you need to do what God ultimately first priority calls you to do. Pastor people. Care for people. Teach them scripture. Show them Jesus. See, the bigger reality here today, because again, we're we're talking the bigger reality. The bigger reality of our current context today is that we are one church with two locations. And maybe for some here, you sit here today and go, Well, you know, I've never been to the Marysville campus. I don't know anybody up there at the Marysville campus. I don't even know where it's located. I want you to understand that that's okay. This is this might be, you might, your filter might be, this is my church, my campus right here, and that's awesome. But I want to to get you to understand a little bit in in your mind that you are a part of something much bigger than what's in this room right here. In fact, just numbers-wise, not that everything is numbers, on any given Sunday between both campuses, there's an average, with adults and kids, 1,400 people coming through the doors of both campuses. So, So there's a bigger reality here than just this room right here. And what that means for you and I is that we are a part of a movement of Jesus' church called the Grove Church. Now, what's really cool about our story is that we just became multi-site a little over a year ago. Grove Marysville has been one campus with a lot of services for a lot of years. And we just decided to go multi-site a little over a year ago because of an opportunity that we had to adopt incredible people that were a part of Venture Church. But prior to that, we were not multi-site. We didn't have other campuses. We didn't have other sister churches or whatever language you want to use. So this is, this is our first one. You're, you're the guinea pig. Welcome. And we're learning a lot of things. We're learning a lot about what it means to be multi-site. What does it mean to transfer information from, to both campuses? What does it look like to lead churches in different contexts and different places? And here, so that's the bigger reality. Our current reality, Grove Church's Snohomish current reality is that we've taken the past year, we're celebrating it next week. Happy birthday, Grove Church Snohomish. We've taken the past year and have started our first little baby. And the baby was little. It was like little and small and just little, This little guy, you know? But, but here's what's happening now. We're, we're, we're coming up on a year. Here, here's what's happening in our current reality, sitting in this room. Okay, the, the baby's starting to walk. Okay? And as parents, we all know game changer. Okay? When your kid starts walking, you're like, all right, we gotta close up the cupboards. Where's the chemicals? You know what I mean? It's like everything changes when a baby starts to walk. Our, our church, the Grove Church of the Homeless, it is starting to walk and it's becoming a game changer for us. What what do I mean by this? What's happening is we have to start thinking differently about how this campus operates. We all know from Jethro here that Andrew can't do it alone, that awesome Crystal with Grove Kids can't do it alone. We recognize from Jethro today there's no way we can do this alone. There's absolutely not possible to continue to move forward. Practically, It's just a couple of examples here for you. Number one, we just got to get deeper in every area of our church. Specifically right here, we got to get deeper. I mean, if you think of a team, a football team, first string, second string, third string, we got to get deeper. In fact, when we first adopted Venture Church, we basically had two drivers, but I'll just just say we primarily had one. He's right here. His name's Patrick Stevenson. And sometimes we'd have Ryan as well. But you know what's happened today, now one year later? You know how many drivers we have that set up and tear down, make things happen every Sunday? We have three. Why? Because one person cannot do it alone. That's just one small example where we have to get deeper. We have Tony, we have Brock, we have Kevin. Why? Because one person cannot do it alone. It's interesting because I spent some time in Cleveland a few weeks ago, and I was talking to a pastor who... Uh, their church is set up and tear down like, uh, like ours and great guy. And, uh, he was just telling my like, yeah, so tell me how it works with, with your campus and how things operate. Let me let, teach me kind of your practices and what, what, what you do. He's like, Oh, man. And like when he was talking to me, I just wanted to start weeping inside of my heart. He was just like, Yeah, man. So we, you know, we got set up and tear down. We're doing it for a while. And, um, you know, we got a team captain. I'm like, Okay, cool. We got a team captain who, uh, who leads the set up team and a team captain who leads the set up And tear down team. I'm like, oh, and and then they just, what, they do that every week? He's like, no, 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 we have four different teams with four different captains, so that everybody only does it once a month. (laughs) I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. Lord, I'm listening, you know? Right? It's just like, what? You know what I mean? Why? Why? Because you will wear yourself out if you do it all alone. You will wear yourself out. See, it's, it's amazing because we start thinking about where we're at, and obviously we're not leaders of thousands in this room. We're not at hundreds. We're probably like, at like the leaders of tens right now, right? But we know we have to get deeper here. We know we have to cast vision and get people to understand that the experience matters. We know we need to build bridges in our community. We know that God is growing this campus. Even even what we're doing at the the end of this month, September 29th, launching all new spaces for Grove Kids. Right, we got elementary that's gonna be up here now. Our, Our preschool room is gonna be actually a dedicated preschool room. And then the walkers and the callers back here. Why? Why? Because we recognize that God is blessing our efforts and we know who builds his church, it's Jesus, but we got to get deeper. We, we don't just need teachers in classrooms. We need people to lead environments. We, we don't just need people to come and watch and enjoy. We need people to be his church and get deeper and recognize that God is building his church and people are going to continue to be reached And lives are gonna continue to be changed and people are gonna continue to be dedicated and baptized and connected into groups and make an impact in their communities. And what that means is that you and I have to understand I have a part to play in his church. I have a part to play in this movement. It's so fun to think about celebrating one year of being here, but but it's a it's a mentality shift when we start thinking, I, I don't need to go to church, I need to be his church. Why? Because we can sometimes compartmentalize the going and the being. I'm first called to be his church. I'm called to be his church to my family, to my neighborhood, to my workplace, to those around me. I'm called to be a light as his church. And so we have to begin to ponder and think for ourselves personally. What does it mean to be and not just go? What does it it mean for me to get involved and use my abilities and gifts and talents? What what does it mean to join and be a part of the Grove Church Snohomish because I believe in this vision and I want to give and be a part of what God is doing? One of the questions I want you to think about today and we've talked about this before as a church, is where, where am I gifted? Where, where, where am I gifted and what are my passions? Because we all know, you go, man, I hear that there's so much you know, need and people need to serve in kids, but I don't like kids. Be honest, like please. Like please don't hang out with kids if you don't like them, okay? Like not cool, right? They're not gonna have a good experience and neither will you and you will wear yourself out, you know? But, but but where where am I gifted? What where, where am I passionate? What experiences do I bring to the body of Christ? There, there, a couple weeks ago or over a month ago, we we had learned uh, one of the guys in our church is a drummer. All right, and he's not just like an everyday drummer; he's like a professional drummer. Okay, and he's been sitting in this room for far too long. Okay, and his wife is like, "Let's go, get on it, join the team." Right, like I don't know what the gifts are are that God has given you, but here's what I know: He's given you, and they're meant to build His church. But see, sometimes we think, "Well, I'm not like you, all gas and no brake. I'm all brake and no gas. Awesome, because we need a lot of those people in this church, right? And there's some people you're just organized, you're systematic, your gift at you're just incredible at putting and structure and things together. Awesome. It's amazing. I've talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit so much because I believe they're so alive today. I mean, there's people in the room. You're just incredible at mercy and compassion. Your heart just, you know, longs just to serve and help people broken that are hurting. That's amazing. Body of Christ needs people who are gifted in mercy and compassion. Body of Christ needs people who are who are gifted in hospitality and encouragement. The body of Christ needs people who can lead and can, and can be a part of leading teams. But don't, don't sell yourself short. Well, I'm not that way, I'm not this way. You have something to offer. Can I hear an amen? And so I want you to, to answer this question. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna create some easy on-ramps for people to be the church, both inside and outside, both internally and externally. But what I want you to just think about in your head today as you, as you ponder our current reality, as you think about where this campus is going in the large context of the Grove Church, what I want you to think is just, where am I gifted? Well, what has God called me to do? How can I play a part in what God has gifted me in? And I want you to ponder that today. As, as the worship team comes up here and we just take a moment to to listen to the Holy Spirit, I want you to ponder that just for a few minutes here today. I want you to think to yourself, what am I good at? How how has God made me? What what are the things that I can contribute? What what does it mean to be a part of this church and this community? What, What what is God asking of me today? I want you to be reminded once again that Jesus said he'll build his church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Would you bow your heads with me here today? Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.